Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. You know, when you put the silver and black uniform on, you get such a surge of energy. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. And a lot of football players around the country that want to wear that silver and black. JT The Brick. When you talk about the Raiders, everyone knows you talk about the Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your host, JT The Brick. Yes, out of the gate, JT with you on a big Monday. Breaking news for the Raiders in the Hall of Fame game. The Raiders will take on the Jaguars to open the preseason in Canton, Ohio at the Hall of Fame game. Welcome to the show, everybody. JT, as we get rolling for Combine Week here on Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. As the Raiders, the organization, the Combine is the focus as the Raiders get set for the upcoming draft with just two months away, which we're really excited about. So not much of an offseason this year, and we got great news to open up the show about this Canton road trip, which I'm really excited about. We're brought to you by PT's Best Happy Hour in Town, 5 to 7, midnight to 2, your place to go watch the Golden Knights play, home or on the road, especially when they're on the road. PT's a proud partner of the Vegas Golden Knights on our sister station, and we thank them for letting me fuel the monologue every day and get it going. So I wanted to talk a lot about the NBA today and the Lakers implosion and what's happening in baseball because Major League Baseball could be locked out. We're going to find out here in a couple of hours if it's official and we could lose up to a month of baseball if they don't come to terms on an agreement today. But then this news just broke, which is big news about the Raiders playing in the Canton, Ohio Hall of Fame game. It's breaking news, and I want to hear from the Raider Nation on this. This is a road trip. You got a road trip on your calendar August 4th, that weekend, and now you got to decide if you're going on it. And it's Cliff Branch's induction into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And you got plenty of time to plan for it. You got plenty of time. You got plenty of time to figure it out and get to this game and stick around for Cliff. So I want to know right out of the gate, this is the, maybe this is the first time you're hearing it when I'm telling you this, but this news just broke a little while ago. Uh, Raiders just retweeted it by the NFL. The Jaguars and Raiders will play in the Pro Football Hall of Fame game in Canton on Thursday, August 4th, heading into that induction weekend. So that's a really big deal, and I'm excited about it because I was planning on being out there for Cliff just as a friend like all the Raider Nation, and now you got to extend your road trip. If you're going to go see the Raiders play, you probably got to get there Wednesday night, Thursday, and stay through the weekend. you got to get hotel rooms. You might want to do some packages. You might go with a bunch of friends. You might stay in Akron. You might stay in Cleveland and go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I don't know what the baseball schedule looks like. Maybe you catch a baseball game while you're back there too. But I want some instant reaction in this first hour from the Raider Nation on this news. When John Madden got inducted, that was a Hall of Fame weekend game. You can look at it two ways if you're a Raider fan. The game doesn't mean much. Really, no one plays in it. Nobody plays in the game you don't risk any of your veterans at all because it's the first of many preseason games and again as we cut the preseason schedule back still the hall of fame game is not a priority but the raiders are going to have a brand new coaching staff a completely brand new coaching staff and they're going to want to get that coaching staff ready to go to communicate to communicate on the road and this will be their first game for josh mcdaniels to work together and that is a big deal It's a travel trip for the new coaches, and the executives are traveling for the first time as a team for a preseason game. So a lot of work goes in on the ground. And then you get there, and there's a lot of Raider fans, not just from the West Coast, but from the Midwest, 
from that region, and especially the diehard Raider fans who listen to us and stream us every day out in Buffalo and Cleveland and Pittsburgh and Detroit and all those regions there where you just take a car ride and you can head in and see all your friends for the Raiders. So I think this is a big topic today. I'm happy about it because I was planning on going. I think a lot of people were planning on going. Now we're going because there's going to be a game there, and that'll be great. Former Raiders receiver Cliff Branch and defensive lineman Richard Seymour will be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame along with ex-Jaguars tackle the great Tony Baselli. This is from ESPN right now, 20 minutes ago. The late Branch, a four-time Pro Bowl selection and three-time first-team All-Pro, who was one of the most dynamic receivers of his era, caught 501 passes, for 8,685 yards, 67 touchdowns in 14 seasons, and was part of three Raiders Super Bowl winning teams, Seymour, a seven-time Pro Bowl selection, and twice a first-team All-Pro, played his final four NFL seasons for the Raiders after eight seasons with the Patriots. This will be the fourth appearance by the Raiders in the game, and the second for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And this will be great. So I love hearing this. Also enshrined, this year from the modern era players list of Leroy Butler, Sam Mills, Bryant Young, Dick Vermeil, and contributor Art McNally. Branch enters from the senior category. Uh, ESPN writes, the game will mark the debut of Raiders head coach Josh McDaniels, who is a Canton native and played his home high school football games at Fawcett Stadium, the predecessor to the current Hall Stadium. Doug Peterson will work his first game as Jaguars head coach. So that's really cool for Josh McDaniels. The first game he'll ever coach for the Raiders will be in Canton where he played high school football. That is fantastic. We'll talk to Mark Anderson coming up from the Review Journal. Also, Harry Ruiz, the Latino voice of the Raiders. Speaking of voice, you can tell my voice a little worked out. I went to Metallica and Billy Joel, probably talking and singing too much. First, the Metallica review. Metallica was insane. To see that many people on the floor, I was not down there in the mosh pit, nor should I be. It was fun. I went with 21 guys who got a suite and invited me, and it was mayhem. It was fantastic. I thought it sounded good. I liked Greta Van Fleet. As they opened up, it was good to see them, the best young rock band, some say, in the world. I thought it sounded good, very good, and Metallica was over-the-top great. They loved the Raiders. You could tell they brought their A game, and it was a lot of fun. Walking over the Hacienda Bridge before the show with all of those headbangers was pretty cool. And then going in, and the stadium just pops. You know, the stadium looks unbelievable. Especially for Metallica, heavy metal band, and you got the stadium black and silver and the lights going. So that was a good night. That was a really good night. Then I had a new group of friends come in for Billy Joel on Saturday night, and that was fantastic. That's where the voice took a hit. I think I sung along to every song. The backdrop of my youth as I grew up in the next town to Billy Joel. I'm from Massapequa, and he's from Hicksville. And he put on a beautiful set for two-plus hours. Played all the hits. His voice sounded great. I sat in my seats for the Raider game. And I I just looked out there, and I had the best time with my friends and my wife. And it was great to see Billy Joel, probably his only football stadium appearance out here, as he'll be playing the brand-new Sphere 
when that opens up for MSG. And I thought he delivered. And with all the concerts I've seen, for me personally, Metallica, Garth Brooks, Guns N' Roses, my favorite, the Rolling Stones, I think Billy Joel was the best. I really do. I think it sounded beautiful. It was great. It was dialed in. He had a great time. The crowd loved it. And everybody I went to came out of the show saying, wow, a lot of fun. So if you went to either concert, I want to hear from you on the concert. Give me a review if you went to both. Give me both reviews if you went to one. Let's hear what you think about that. And again, thanks to Mark Davis for building this stadium with all the people that built the stadium. I was with Tommy White from the local 872 and the local union who built it, and we had a great conversation about how great the stadium is. If the Raiders don't move to Vegas, we don't get Metallica and Billy Joel in a football stadium. I think it's a huge accomplishment. Raider fans want to win football games. We're aware of that. That is the top priority. But there's a lot of people in this region that want to come to super concerts. And I've just named the ones we've had since it's open. It's been amazing. So, great weekend. Topped it off with 18 holes at Valley High yesterday with my buddies in for the concert. And I hope you had a great weekend. If you went to the shows, give me a call at 702-365-9200. As I told Bobby, this is the offseason, not for our show. We need people to talk, have, have passion, have opinions as we come here every day for you. Now, now though, let's get into what's going to happen now. The Hall of Fame game is set, the combine here. And what it also means is that the Raiders are going to probably, they're going to start camp early. And we're going to see how that looks for this team as they get ready for the combine and the draft. In regards to the draft, we're starting to see some mock drafts come out. Uh, the big one today comes out from Pro Football Focus. They came out with their early first-round mock draft. Steve Palazzolo, frequent contributor to this show, put out his mock draft, and he's turning out to be one of the better guys at doing this. So here's who he has the Raiders with on the big board at number 22. The Raiders select cornerback Andrew Booth, Jr. out of Clemson. His notes are the Raiders have work to do in the secondary, so they add Booth who is a smooth-moving and scheme-diverse. Booth played just under 1,000 snaps in his college career, so there's room for him to grow. He's a true junior. I have no opinion on Andrew Booth. I don't know him. I'll look up him. We'll take a look at some highlights here. But uh, for Steve Palazzolo to have him go there, on the big board he ranks 18, and they have him dropping pro football focus to the Raiders at 22. Now, why would this be important? Well, it'd be important because if Casey Hayward's not back, and Casey Hayward played well last year, Trayvon Mullen's got to come back from injury, and the Raiders are kind of lean at the cornerback position. It's another issue where the Raiders have been trying to get great at corner for a while. They've been trying to get good at corner, and they've swung and missed. And the biggest swing and miss in a long time was Damon Arnett. An absolute bust and disaster. And he was a first-round pick, and he completely imploded. So the Raiders, whatever they're going to do in the draft, I think offensive line's the biggest need. I think linebacker's always a need. And I think cornerback in the secondary, they got to get out of free agency in the draft with a cornerback. they got to get out with at least one. If they're able to get out with at least one, then I think that'll work well for them. So there's the first mock draft that I'm looking at, and that has – the Raiders going a cornerback out of Clemson. I know a lot of people are wondering what the new regime's going to do. 
because the Raiders like to go Alabama-Clemson over the last couple of years. It worked out with Hunter Renfro. You could say it's worked out with Josh Jacobs. And you look look around at the Cleveland Farrell pick, which was not a good pick at all. A matter of fact, that is borderline. Cleveland Farrell, who I like, I think he's great in the community. He's a good man, a good person. But that pick at number four was one of the biggest reaches you can ever imagine out of Clemson. So if these guys pick smaller name school players that can pop, I'm good with it. If they want to stay on the train with Clemson, Alabama, Florida, some of the big names out there, uh, maybe we'll see more of that and we'll get an idea of what's going to happen when we come out of the combine. Because once the combine ends and free agency opens up, the league year is here, there's going to be a lot of talk about the Raiders and what the Raiders need to do as a 10-win team to take it to the next level. And I think the, the top reason the Raiders take it to the next level is they have to. They must come out of this with a free agent or two who can start and a draft pick in the first round, whoever they draft at number 22, needs to start. Because some of the high draft picks they've had lately, including Arnett, Ruggs, and Cleland Farrell, all high picks, were not available to play at a high level. And we know the backstory of all of them. We know the backstory on all of them. But the Raiders have to be sharp with that big pick. All right, Jeff Passion is reporting from ESPN. There is a crisis in its own making now. The self-inflicted wound of Major League Baseball and the potential lockout, what could happen? He reports, barring a miracle 11th hour agreement later today on a new labor deal that ends its lockout of the Major League Players Association, the league has said it would cancel opening day games. Baseball finds itself on the precipice of an ugly moment, and it's no accident. It is a study in the consequences of bad behavior, big and small markets, abiding by the letter of the law while ignoring the spirit of baseball, worst of all, alienating those who make the sport great. And the players are very angry today at the level of the negotiations, which have inched along for almost a year with little progress. More than that, they've tried to take the game that they say they love and be active in trying to improve it, but that's not helping at all in the negotiations. So that's the latest from Jeff Passan as we take a look at this over the next couple of hours and what could happen with Major League Baseball. I think what's going to happen is there's going to be a labor, there's going to be a lockout, and I think it's going to last a couple of weeks, maybe three weeks to a month. Jeff Passan also said, According to Evan Drellich, Major League Baseball suggested in the first meeting today that the league is willing to cancel a month's worth of games. One month. What that means or whether it's simply a threat, it's unclear, but the players have taken it as a clear threat. The players despise the owners right now in Major League Baseball. They despise the ownership, and the ownership is holding firm on some of these salaries here. So it's a big topic. Uh, I'm going to try to keep the war in Ukraine off the show unless we're talking about the boxers who are fighting in the war or the fact today that FIFA has suspended Russia from competing at the World Cup, which is about as big as it can get. There's no bigger sport in the world than the World Cup, including the NFL and the NBA combined. Combined, not even close to the World Cup. So Russia has been kicked out of the 2022 World Cup in Qatar by FIFA after the world governing body and the European Association, UEFA, issued a joint statement to confirm that all Russian national teams and clubs 
have been suspended until further notice following the invasion of Ukraine. So that's a big storyline that we're going to keep an eye on here, too. Uh, There are several boxers that are fighting on the front line, which to me is incredible, including the Klitschkos and Lomachenko, putting their lives in harm's way here for their country. It's a fascinating story. And a lot of people are concerned for the safety, not of all the civilians, everybody involved in this situation here. But from a sports perspective, and we're a sports show, it has a lot to do with the star athletes, the multimillionaire boxers from that region who are literally putting their life on the line. It's amazing to me, absolutely amazing. And quickly, I want to get to the Vegas Golden Knights here in the opening here, the loss to Chicago and how great they were playing in that game, excuse me, to Colorado on Saturday. Let's start with the Marcheseau goal that put them up 2-1 in this game, and I thought this would be the momentum that they would have to hold on and win this game. Here's VGK taking the lead. They go left to right, but Smith creates a steal, works in with Marcheseau, gets it to him, he scores! Dan Duva, that sounds like the Western Conference Finals right there. The crowd exploding. Vegas playing a team that's better than them, taking the lead in the game. But as we get to the McKinnon goal late, that gave Colorado the lead and the eventual win, Vegas played really well. Colorado has some really good players who made plays down the stretch. Here's how it sounded. In comes McCart, the other end, a shot. McKinnon scores! McCart to McKinnon. Two quick strikes. Avalanche in the lead, three to two. Yeah, there were two goals really back-to-back here that put the game away. Final call as Vegas had a golden opportunity to beat the best team that they're going to have to beat to get to the Stanley Cup, and they come up short. Down to 10 seconds, Stevenson with Watt, trying to find it to Donoff, taps it up top, off a stick, out of the zone, Theodore gives it right away to McKinnon, he sends it towards the goal, penalty coming, but the clock runs out, the game is over. Colorado 3, Vegas 2, final score at T-Mobile Arena. That was a great game, a great game that the VGK lost. So if you went to that game, you want to hit on VGK, give us a call, 702-365-9200. I guess no one's road tripping to Canton. Show's 20 minutes in. We just told you, Canton, Ohio, Cliff Branch, Raiders, Jaguars. Are you going to the game? Does this lock up your game? Does this mean you're going on this road trip now? I am positive that Q is putting something together as we speak here. And Raider Nation Radio will have a presence. I know I'm going. If there's equipment there, I'll do a radio show or two. And I can't wait for this breaking news. Also, when we come back, the movement and all the talk that's happening in the National Football League with broadcasters, Peter King put out his column uh, last night, Peter King's Football Morning in America. It was really good about the TV money. And it's all up to Joe Buck now, Troy Aikman, leaping to the head of the analyst class, going from Fox to ESPN between 18 and $20 million. What will Joe Buck do at the age of 52 as he's the voice of the World Series and the biggest Fox NFL games? Could ESPN be luring him, or would Joe Buck stay because he gets baseball in the World Series, and that's a passion of his? And what about Al Michaels? NBC hired Mike Tirico in 2016. It was just a matter of time before he would succeed Michaels on the network for Sunday night, the time is now. Al Michaels, 77, does not want to retire. And the landing spot could be Amazon Prime 
on the Thursday night package, or he can go to Monday night football. So a lot of the movement in the broadcasting world is intense. Sean McVay will stay on the sidelines. Reportedly, he was going to be offered up to 19 to $20 million to do games for Amazon on a five-year deal, which would have been incredible, but he's quieted down all of that. And then the other big name is Sean Payton, who could have two networks looking for him, Amazon along with Fox. So this is incredible what's happened here in the last couple of weeks. Chris Collinsworth, Jim Nance, Tony Romo, now still the gold standard in what he does, calling games for CBS. This is now the golden era of broadcasting, and everybody should thank John Madden for this. John Madden changed the game for football television analysts. Not only was he the first to be a superstar at the money level, but he was also the one who was able to go from network to network to network and keep the peace. He had to keep the peace. So when he left CBS, went to Fox, went to NBC, no one was bitter at John Madden. He left great friends behind, brought some of them with him, went to new networks and built a bridge. Now that broadcasters are on, on their way to becoming multimillionaires, John Madden deserves a lot of that credit. Hey, we're brought to you by Grimaldi's. We have two Grimaldi's gift cards, $50 to give away. Best pizza I've ever had. Grimaldi's a mainstay in my house, especially when my sons are home and they mow through it. Five great locations in the Valley. Uh, Good calls get to Grimaldi gift cards. Good calls get the Grimaldi gift cards. 702-365-9200. Billy Joel, Metallica, the Raiders playing in Canton, Ohio for the Hall of Fame game. A lot of news today. And VGK needs this team back healthy. And Mark Stone, I got to figure out the salary cap and get this team peaking at the right time. Bobby and I are excited to talk with you today. Mark Anderson from the Las Vegas Review-Journal is going to join us. Kevin Kernan, a great baseball insider. And Harry Ruiz, the Latino voice of the Raiders, all on deck today. You have 23 turnovers, you're not going to win. You know, so it was, a, it was a huge part of it. You know, like I said, um, you know, I have to look at all the turnovers, but some of it's carelessness and some of it's, you know, we're, we're, we're ice cold from the perimeter right now. You know, so you know, we're trying to attack the paint, and uh, there's five guys in there. So, you know, we're trying to just trying to execute through that. But, you know, we definitely got to be better. That's Frank Vogel. The Lakers were a disaster. I'll get into that next in a few minutes. What a disaster the Lakers were. Just a mess last night as New Orleans came in to the crypt, crypto.com, and slaughtered them. I don't think that Frank Vogel should have his job by the end of today. If they're going to make a move, they have to make a move now. 702-365-9200. The Raiders will square off in the Hall of Fame game that was just announced against the Jaguars on August 4th. And that changes things. Camp starts earlier now. That changes everybody's schedule. They're playing in that first game. And it's more of a signaling that, look at the respect Cliff Branch is getting. And the fact that the Hall of Fame looked at that and said Richard Seymour, who did play for the Raiders, along with Cliff Branch and Tony Baselli, a lot of Raider fans were worried. I saw online today that the Raiders might have to play overseas in London or Germany, wherever the games are going to be. Again, I don't expect the Raiders to have to play on the road after building Allegiant Stadium. Uh, They could be a road team on the road. 
But I think this is the game that puts them on the road. That's the big off-season game. I doubt there'd be a London game or a Mexico game. I doubt it, but it could happen here. And again, building the stadium after all the years the Raiders went on the road and played a couple of games in London should keep them home in Vegas for quite some time. Mark Anderson joins us every other Monday. We appreciate him, the great journalist from the Las Vegas Review-Journal and all of the other freelance work that he does. And, Mark, let's begin. Hall of Fame game for the Raiders. It kind of tweaks the calendar a little bit here and gives Josh McDaniels his first time to travel with the team on the road in an exhibition game. Yeah, and what's really cool, it's it's a, it's a standalone game, and, you know, and that's um, that's the one preseason game everyone kind of looks forward to because you feel like, you feel like, uh, you know, football's finally back. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't think we're going to learn a whole lot about the team from that game. Uh, probably won't see too many starters play, but uh, still, just, just being in the game is a pretty big, deal, pretty big deal. Yeah, I do think so. You make a great point. It is a standalone game. It's a start. It goes into the weekend, so Raider fans who make a road trip to the game can stay for the enshrinement and have a pretty good time there. And also, you know, I didn't know this until they put that out. That's where... Josh McDaniels played his high school football from that region. So I think it's a nice homecoming for him, Mark. And I think it's a nice tip of the cap to Cliff Branch after they made him wait so long that he'll have more fans there now after this announcement that the Raiders will be there. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, yeah, he should have been in the Hall of Fame a long time ago. He he changed – well, maybe it's an overstatement to say he changed the way the game's played, but he certainly influenced the way the game's played. Um you know, and, and with being able to stretch the field, I mean that really didn't happen before he came around. So, um, yeah, he should have been and put in a long time ago, and and maybe it is sort of a, a makeup call to 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 uh, uh, sort of a nod to the Raiders that they 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 should have been in there before. Mark Anderson's our guest, Las Vegas Review Journal. I want to go to this baseball lockout by tonight. Uh, Vegas is a really big baseball town with the AAA franchise here and the rumors about Major League Baseball, which I never bought into. Because I think the Oakland A's are run as a scam. They've been a scam for a long time. They have great fans. But they're playing Vegas against Oakland. The Raiders have already come here. Why would the A's want to come after they signed that 10-year lease behind the Raiders' back? Which led to, it wasn't the sole reason. It might not have been the biggest part of it. But initially the Raiders packing up to coming to Vegas. And now for baseball, in markets like Oakland, Tampa, Pittsburgh, where attendance could be a bit of a problem here, if they lock out the players for a month, that's what I'm hearing could happen today. That is really going to slow down any momentum they're going to have to have a great season. Yeah, and I don't know. You know, you, you, it sounds like the owners are, uh, I don't know how much they care, you know. Um, I think they're looking at this as uh, they, they have more ability to hold out than the players do because the players eventually um, – They'll they'll need the paychecks, you know. They'll they'll want, especially you're not you know not so much the stars because those guys are doing okay anyway. But the ones, but the other players, you know, the the twentieth guy on the team, that's the guy who's going to need the paycheck. And and more and more players are going to be like, we need to get back to playing. So I think the owners are know that and they figure times on their side. Um, and I think baseball's got bigger problems than this anyway. You know, it's just not a fun game to watch anymore. And they got to figure that out. Uh, they got to you know it's. it's I believe in analytics, but I think analytics have felt maybe ruins too too strong a word, but it's really damaged the game. Um, it's made it's taken a lot of the action out of the game, and that to me is much bigger than than what's going on with with uh, the CBA. 
Mark Anderson joins us, Las Vegas Review Journal. Yeah, I think baseball does have its problems, but, you know, Mark, I've, I've been a baseball fan my whole life, and I think there's only so much you can tweak it. Everybody's worried about it. If you're trying to get the fans who are losing interest and you care more about them than the fans who love the game and want it to be touched, there's a fine line in how you're going to tweak the game. Universal DH, I'm in support of. They're trying to get the pitch clock going. You know, more robot umpires being tried out, especially here as a flagship in Vegas. I'm into all of that, but the core of Major League Baseball fans, it's a big core of the American pastime. Those fans are getting pushed to the edge right now, and you're right. Analytics hasn't helped those fans stay interested, but I think baseball cares more about younger fans who are just not as interested because they're young. There aren't many young fans who are diehard into baseball, want to keep score during the game, want to get there early, stay late. And they're trying to get these young fans who have an attention span of about five to ten minutes totally into baseball. And I don't know, if they miss out on this group, baseball could be on a slow decline for decades to come. No, I, I think you're right. I think this is a problem even before the lockout. And uh, I went to a game at San Diego I don't know, 2019, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And they have, you know, they have that that bar area up there. And I walked in, to, uh, and I was stunned how many people were not paying any attention to the game on the field. Yeah. They were just there hanging out like there was a regular bar. And I think that's kind of the effort they're making, is that they're, they're just, they just want to get you in somehow. Whether you watch the, you know, uh, get to in the stadium and just to, for an overall experience. And the baseball is almost secondary, it seems to me, in a lot of ways. And I think that's kind of the direction they're heading. I'm not sure that's a great way to go. I think you still got to sell the game. I mean, football kind of sells itself, you know. Um, So I don't really know what the answer is. I think baseball is really struggling on that. And if you remember the 1994 um, work stoppage, I think that did damage to the game that they never quite got over, frankly. You know, you lose a World Series. I mean, I think my own brother – stopped watching baseball after that and that was however many years ago almost three years ago so you know and I, he probably wasn't alone so I, I just I just think they got a lot of problems and I, I don't I don't know what the answers are I just think and I, I'm with you I like baseball a lot I, I've been following baseball for, for many years and I just but I think you and I are becoming more and more the minority and, and that's a big problem. Mark as we wrap it up uh, I got done golfing yesterday on the strip and couldn't get home because of the rock and roll marathon. I figured out a way. I had to cut through a police station. I had to go over Russell. I had to go on 15 again, pick up the 215 to drop off some people at the airport. And it was fine. I had some time on my side, but I didn't realize how big the rock and roll marathon was, especially down on the south end of the strip and how many people run in it. I know you had a tweet about it yesterday, the Canadian, Justin Kent, who was running away with it. How important is that event for hotel rooms, the economy here? This city was absolutely packed over the weekend with Metallica, Billy Joel, and you came in for the marathon. Yeah, it took me an hour to uh, to get where I needed to go yesterday from my home, and normally should have been a 20, probably 25, 30-minute right. drive. You know, <laughs> so yeah, it was it was it was crazy. Uh, yeah, ninety-two percent of the runners from, are from out of town. Uh, I was told they bring on average 1.5 people with them, and then in 2019 they said the direct spending from this event was 110 million. So I'm guessing it's wow. going to have a similar number from, from this weekend. So, yeah, it, it's a, it's a big deal. And you know what's really cool about it is how normal it felt. Uh, mm-hmm. I was out there. I was in the the media truck uh, that, that you know just stayed in front of the the lead runner, 
route and just was kind of taken in the scene as we went down the strip and and how many people were out and enjoying themselves and it, it felt like Las Vegas felt in in 2019 is what it felt like and so it, it was it was nice to have that feeling back people I think are, are feeling more comfortable being out in crowds now um, you know the numbers are heading in the right direction thank God and so you know we're I think I think we're kind of getting back to where we want to be and and it's just it's just a nice feeling to be part of that. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Thank you. Sounds good, JT. Thank you. The great Mark Anderson, tremendous journalist here in town. Jesse Rogers, who covers Major League Baseball for ESPN, just reported Rob Manford and officials just walked back to their side of the stadium after meeting for about 40 minutes with the union. So a lot of people don't know if it's a good thing, if it's a bad thing. We're waiting on the cancellation of the first month of Major League Baseball. And uh, there's another report from Jesse Rogers. This is not confirmed. They're not canceling the first month all at once, but there is talk about informing the union that the first month will be canceled. So that's where we are. This is fluid. We'll talk to Kevin Kernan about it. We're a sports talk show in the month of February into March, and this is a disaster if Major League Baseball locks out here in the next hour or two. Because they're going to can- they're going to cancel games, they're going to cancel games, and these games are going to affect spring training towns, and it's going to affect the kickoff of a month of Major League Baseball. The other breaking news story today was a very bizarre one. Kyler Murray's agent put out a long-winded, long-winded statement about getting Kyler Murray more money, and it's a bad look. It doesn't look good. Kyler Murray is a hell of a player. He's underpaid because he's outperformed his initial rookie contract, but that's part of the sport. That's part of the sport, and you got to understand that. So it doesn't look like he's going to pay play for the money that he's making now. doesn't look like he's going to play for that at all. We have Tom Pelissaro talking about Kyler Murray and this statement earlier today. That statement from Eric. Makes clear several things. Number one, Kyler Murray wants to be the Cardinals quarterback for the long haul. Number two, he wants to win a Super Bowl. Number three, he wants a commitment financially from the Cardinals now in terms of a long-term contract extension. Now, this is something that we've been talking about since last week. It's all about the contract at this stage for Murray. He's entering the fourth year of his rookie contract, meaning he is now eligible for an extension. He's seen guys like Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson get paid at this stage. Murray is due about $5.5 million in the fourth year of that rookie contract in 2022. I will tell you, I do not expect Kyler Murray to play for $5.5 million this season. In other words, the ball is now in the Cardinals' court. Do they pay Kyler Murray on a long-term extension now, or do they run the risk of their franchise quarterback not being there when training camp begins in July? Well, that's really important because Kyler Murray is only making $5 bucks when you see quarterbacks making $40 million. And he's in that category. He's an elite, an elite talent. He might not be your favorite guy, but he's right up there with Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes. He might not be better than him. He's in the discussion because of his athletic ability, his arm strength, top pick, and everything that he can do. And Baker Mayfield's playing out his five-year option. Derek Carr is playing out the last year of a contract. And Derek Carr's going to make more money. And Kyler Murray doesn't want to wait. Doesn't want to wait at all, but you're supposed to wait. You're supposed to play under the contract that you agreed to. But when you agree to a rookie contract as a quarterback, you get slotted into a position where you can only make so much money. If you outperform it, 
this is where the debate comes. What do you do? Do you sit out and not play? If he suffers a catastrophic injury and he's only making $5 million and never gets a contract again, that's the mistake of his agent. So his agent's trying to secure 50, 60, 70 million guaranteed money over a contract extension. That's the job of an agent. But the way his agent went out and put out this post in capital letters and said, actions speak much louder than words in this volatile business. And then he wraps it up by saying, Kyler remains hopeful that the organization chooses to commit so that he can continue leading the Cardinals to future success and value for many years to come. Kyler Murray is rolling the dice on his reputation, everybody. I really am a big fan of his, but the way he scrubbed his Instagram and his social media of the Cardinals, the way he's been acting, this is ridiculous. And basically now having his agent go over the top, Eric Burkhart going over the top with this statement today, which was very long, I don't think well-written. I think it's a bad look for Kyler Murray going forward. And maybe he doesn't want to play in Arizona. He claims like he wants to. It's a great place to live. There's a lot of superstar athletes that live in Scottsdale, live in Arizona, and love it there. Love it there. But Kyler Murray doesn't get it, according to several people who are tweeting about this. Today is another example of him being tone deaf. It's a big part of sports when you're tone deaf. When big things are happening around you, a pandemic, a major war, and you're putting out statements about wanting to get more money. Let me repeat that. Pandemic, war raging on television all the time, and you look greedy at the end of February that you want to get paid more money. That's that's the definition of being tone deaf. And I don't think it's going to end good in Arizona. He doesn't seem to be happy. Ownership there has improved, but it's not great ownership historically. Let's pump, let's pump the brakes on the Bidwells being great owners. They were terrible owners for decades. Now they have a new stadium, and they've been more successful. They got a quarterback who wants to get paid. When we come back, we'll take a look around the NBA. Man, James Harden looked good with Joel Embiid. And the collapse of the Lakers is full on. JT, Raider Nation Radio. For me, I don't really believe in a lot of days in between, whatever the case may be. That's just, but that's just my mindset. I'm getting involved in how many minutes I've played or how old I am. I don't, I don't confine to that. I think you know when you think negative thoughts, negative energy, then it just creeps into your mind. So I'm as young as I've ever been. We are back on Raider Nation Radio on a gorgeous Monday here in Vegas, two months away from the NFL Draft. NFL even put out a tweet on that today, excited about the countdown to the draft, which has the opportunity to be an all-time Mount Rushmore event in Vegas sports history. We have the race this weekend, which is always huge in town, one of the biggest events in all of Las Vegas. I'm going to be out of town for this one, but hopefully we can do some promotion, get some bodies out there, and get everybody out to the Las Vegas Motor Speedway as Jeff Motley and his entire team out there do a great job for the Las Vegas stop here for NASCAR. Two races, one early in the season, and then, of course, the news during the playoffs. And Marcus Allen will be the Grand Marshal. How about that? Marcus Allen coming in for a nice event. Uh, Drivers, start your engines. Can't wait to see that and how that looks. 
Want to get into the NBA here because that's what's king now. As we wait, as the Raiders go to the Combine, and we get an idea of what direction they're going to go in. Coming up here sooner than later. The NBA last night was amazing. I do my national show. I do it Sunday to Thursday night on Sirius XM. And last night, I'm doing the show, and I look up, and the Lakers are down 30. 30 points. And at that point, I tweet out. I go, Frank Vogel's going to get fired, which would be today if they get blown out by 30. And they got blown out, and it was ugly, and it was an embarrassment. And the Lakers, the wheels have completely come off. And I bring this up in Vegas because we're a Laker town. There's more Laker fans in Vegas than any other NBA fan base. And Laker fans who are listening to us on Raider Nation Radio got Warrior fans up in the Bay Area and other fans all over the country. But the Lakers lead. And last night was about as pathetic and gutless of a performance that you'll see. Brandon Ingram came back to L.A., and he was just lighting it up all night. Inbound to Ingram. Pull up free throw line. Got it. There was no energy in the building there. No energy at all. The Laker fans were completely checked out, and it was very ugly how it ended. Here's the final call as New Orleans wins in the blowout. As the boos rain down at Crypto.com Arena, there's your final horn. This one belongs to the Pelicans. The final score from Los Angeles, New Orleans 123, L.A. 95. Yes, Pelicans Radio, I had the L.A. play-by-play call, too. And the the L.A. broadcasters were just sarcastic during the game and going, I've never seen anything like this and what's happening here. And New Orleans had six players in double figures, and the Lakers were just a train wreck. Russell Westbrook, 5 of 15, 0 for 2 from 3. He had 16 points, 6 rebounds, and only one assist for the triple-double king, Carmelo Anthony, 13 points. And LeBron James had a lot of garbage points there, 32. The game wasn't even that close, 123 to 95, as the Lakers got some garbage points in the fourth quarter. They got 30 points in the fourth quarter when the game was out of reach. So this team is a mess. I'm serious. I'd be surprised if Vogel keeps his job by the end of the day. And if he does, it's because Jeannie Buss and the Lakers just don't want to deal with the mess. Just don't want to deal with it. And they're going to figure out what to do next year. Post-game, Frank Vogel, head coach of the Lakers, on how nobody showed up. Well, we didn't play well. You know, we're not shooting the ball well from the perimeter. And the paint's clogged. And, you know, we're trying to force inside. And, uh, you know, with the pass, with the bounce. And, you know, it's leading to a lot of turnovers. And, you know, and we're not moving that well defensively. So we weren't very good on either end tonight. Yeah, Lakers were really sloppy. 23 turnovers in a game. And they had about 15 or 16 of them early in the game. They just never were locked in. It looked like they were mailing it in. They took New Orleans lightly. And the Lakers coach knows this is the sloppiest team in basketball. You have 23 turnovers, you're not going to win. You know, so it was, a, it was a huge part of it. You know, like I said, um, you know, I'll have to look at all the turnovers, but some of it's carelessness and some of it's, you know, we're, we're, we're ice cold from the perimeter right now. You know, so we're trying to attack the paint, and uh, there's five guys in there. So, you know, we're trying to just trying to execute through that. But, you know, we definitely got to be better. This is usually when you fire a head coach. You fire a head coach when the season's lost, and the players don't play for the coach anymore. So Frank Vogel, I didn't want to see him get let go a couple months ago, let him work through it, and now the Lakers don't want to work through it. They're mailing it in when you quit in front of your home fans and your home fans are booing you. You have to make a change. LeBron James has to own this. He was asked about the rest of the season last night. Well, I don't have an answer from tonight. I mean, obviously, you talk about the future. I don't 
that's for us all to figure out. I mean, you don't know what can happen in the next, you know, few weeks. You know, in the game, Jeannie Bosta was a tweet. She walked out. Someone got her on video walking out of the game. She left her seats in the third quarter in disgust as the Lakers had no chance to compete in this game. LeBron also knows that the playoffs, they could miss the playoffs the way they're playing now. They're a terrible basketball team. Right now it's about how we can get better today. I mean, we got a tough stretch with Dallas. Um, Clippers again Thursday, then Golden State on Saturday. So, and we still got we got ten home, uh, ten road games this month or March of March. So, it don't get easier for us. That's it. When you look at this, the Lakers are a disaster. This was a team that tried to go to the next level, wanted to build the championship again after winning two years ago in the bubble, and they can't do it. And they're going to have to blow up this team and figure it out and keep LeBron and probably move some other pieces and hope that Anthony Davis gets healthy again. That was completely embarrassing last night. If you're a Laker fan, you should be calling me at 702-365-9200. You know, this is NBA time. If you look at your calendar where we get into the NBA, and I know there are Laker fans listening, you have got to be disgusted by this organization. And LeBron James needs to own it. He's the GM of the team. He made all these decisions, not Rob Palenka. All had to be run by LeBron and LeBron's agent, and it was a bad move. Bad move. I, I like Russell Westbrook. I thought he'd play better. I completely missed that one. Russell Westbrook is a disaster, and he's such a good player. At times, he can play at such a high level. Speaking of a good player, James Harden's fit in nicely, hasn't he? With Philadelphia, they went into Madison Square Garden on Sunday and took out the Knicks, and Harden was on fire. Harden with 35. Sometimes this is a two-for-one scenario. Drives it on Barrett into the lane. Comes it double-covered. Banked it in. Harden scores it off the window. Harden was great in the game. He played hard. He seems to be very happy. And then when you have a player like Joel Embiid, who can get to the free throw line as much as he did and knock down shots, this team looks like they're just about to go on a roll. Now Embiid down the lane. Embiid goes in and jams it. What a play. Right down Broadway. Embiid with a two-hand slam. And the crowd, a lot of sixes faithful on hand, just buzzing with excitement. Harden with a dish. And Embiid with a two-hand stuff. Also very disgraceful for New York and the New York crowd that they're getting walked all over by Philly fans coming into the Mecca, Madison Square Garden. Nothing worse than when you're in your home building and the opposing fans are making more noise than you. And that's what happened at the Garden yesterday. What a box score. Harden was 10 of 10 from the free throw line for 29 points. Joel Embiid was 23 of 27 from the free throw line for 37 points. And that's a great performance. Those guys know how to get to the rim. They know how to get fouled, and they make their free throws. So I like the way Philly's looking just a couple of games into the Embiid and James Harden run together. It's going to be fun to see what happens when this team gets rolling again. This team has a chance. They have a chance to be really special if those two stay healthy. And Harden hasn't been completely healthy, and Embiid's a big guy who can go down from time to time. Uh, some of the big games tonight, not many. Not many on the NBA score. Well, Bulls at Heat, excuse me. That's in Miami tonight. Bulls Heat, that's the big game. Jimmy Butler going up against DeMar DeRozan. That's an NBA game that we'll keep an eye on. So just want to get the NBA in? We'll do that every day. Also, when we come back, Harry Ruiz will join us, the Spanish voice of the Silver and Black, and Kevin Kernan, one of the better baseball writers in America, uh, formerly a big New York sports writer, now with his website, Ball 9. We'll talk to him about this lockout 
and how we're probably going to lose the opening of baseball and how long until baseball comes back. JT on Raider Nation Radio.